0: What did we just watch, Amy? We watched Spider-Man Across the Universe. Yeah. And we talked about this is our second time (laughs) recording this podcast. (laughs) And how weird that all these movies have prepositions.
1: Yeah, what if this is just an alternate universe version of the podcast from the first time we tried to record it and Uh, it failed?
0: Are we from some alternate universe? Yeah. Okay.
1: So you were asking before, in the before times, like, why is Spider-Man the the one that gets the multiverse? Why is there a Spider-Verse and not... A
0: Captain, America a Captain Verse. America-Verse. Captain America-Verse. Or the Hulk-Verse. Iron Man-Verse.
1: Ooh, a Hulk-Verse. Um, I don't have, like, a strong why, other than to say, like, there are a bunch of parallel worlds in the Marvel comics universe
0: yeah yeah, almost all of which
1: when we referenced like in this movie also spoilers we spoilers spoilers first impressions spoilers if you listen to the show before you know what's going on and if you haven't uh you'll catch up the all of i think the earths that were referenced in this film are all established parallel universes in the marvel Comics universe.
0: Okay. But again. Oh, you have more thoughts? I was I have
1: finished my oh, sorry. sentence. Sorry. I was
0: providing background.
1: And in almost all of these, most of the key Marvel characters do in fact have other versions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's the 1492 Marvel universe, which is set in 1492 and it's got, it's, it's a colonial American thing and Captain America is played, is, is played is a native character. And that's sort of an interesting thing, but they've got a Wolverine and a Spider-Man and a doctor strange and all that sort of stuff too. I think the reason that the Spider-Verse became a stronger thing rather than the Hulkaverse is because Sony Pictures only has rights to Spider-Man and Spider-Man mm. adjacent properties. Mm-hmm. Everything else in the Marvel s- universe, which had previously been licensed out to various groups like Fox and well, mostly Fox. But all of them have been slowly consumed by the beast that is Disney Mm -hmm. and brought back into the fold. And only Spider-Man now is the outlier. And that's why you get things like the new upcoming Madam Web movie, which takes another obscure Spider-Man character and builds an entire movie franchise around her. Same thing with Morbius. Same thing with... Um, Craven the Hunter, which is being turned into a film.
0: Uh, So I'm assuming these are all Sony pictures. They are.
1: (laughs) They are all Sony pictures because Sony is doing its absolute best to ride the Marvel train without being a Marvel movie. (laughs) Mm. That's why they made a deal to allow um, Spider-Man Home version... To appear no way in the, home. No Way Home, what's the actor's name? Tom Holland. Tom Holland. That's why they allowed Tom Holland to appear in the Marvel Cinematic Universe ones um, to bolster their own Spider-Man movies. <laughs> um, yeah, that's why you have Venom and Madame Web and Morbius and Craven and all of these specifically Spider-Man adjacent films. Now, how? Do the lawyers decide what's a Spider-Man villain or Spider-Man adjacent versus something that isn't? I don't know. I don't know what the contracts say. But that put Lord and Miller, when they were making the first Spider-Verse film, into a position where they could, like, not draw on anybody else, and so instead pulled started pulling from parallel universe Spider-Man and that became this impetus for all these things. It was so successful, the first Spider-Verse film, um, that it then leached back into the Marvel comics owned by Disney who put on various like Spider-Verse events where all the Spider-Mans teamed up and fought crime and big intergalactic things. And so it's sort of been a self Fulfilling prophecy almost. Um, there was, for example, Hulk is a good example. In the comics, there was a point in time where there were like 10 or 12 different Hulks. Like a bunch of them all got, different people got activated as Hulks through comic book magic. It's not important. Mm-hmm. But now there's 20 Hulks and they're all slightly different. Um, so that is a thing that has like some precedence in the comics. But it became a thing because of the Spider Verse movies, okay. um, in Spider Man specifically. Because Sony can't afford the Hulk.
0: Okay, okay, that that helps answer my question. Yeah. Of why? Because especially you get this multiverse of Spider Mans in what we were talking about is the fourth franchise in twenty five years <laughs> of. Spider-Man. All of
1: which are under Sony Pictures.
0: Yeah, because you got (laughs) Tobey Maguire, then you get Andrew Garfield, then you get Tom Holland, and now you get the animated yeah, um, Spider Verse films.
1: And it's really, I think, because of that, and I think that's what leads to things like the third. Tom Holland film where they're like, we're going to go pull in alternate universe Spider-Man's in this movie too, because it was so successful in Spider-Verse. Like into the Spider-Verse warped, not just like Spider-Man movies, but like has warped the entire film industry in a lot of really interesting ways. Mm. Um, I look towards uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, which came out last year which owes a lot of its visual freedoms to things that Spider-Verse did the first time. And was like, you don't have to make a computer generated image movie, CGI movie that looks bad. You can make them artistic and interesting and creative. Um, And like Mitchell's versus the machines did some of that. There's been a lot of like creative resurgence in animated films because of all the stuff Spider-Verse did. Um, So like the, the first Spider-Verse movie has been incredibly impactful To the entire industry.
0: (laughs) Mm, Interesting, because I knew the animation was highly praised in the first one, Mm -hmm. and into the Spider Verse, and in this one, across the Spider Verse, Mm -hmm. and probably in the third one, beyond the Spider Verse. (laughs)
1: Um, So yeah, it was it was so successful that it is the repercussions of this franchise are going to be felt for a long time. Into the Spider-Verse was by no means your or my first multiverse adventure. But for a lot of people, it was. Mm. And it was the one of the most successful ones. And it made it relatively approachable and understandable and successful. And so you're, you get more multiverse ventures. But Earth uh, 1610, where Miles Morales is from, in the comics is one of the biggest alternate universes in the Marvel comics. Mm. Um, Because it's, you have Earth 161 616, sorry. 616 is the the prime Marvel universe. That's the comics, that's the core of everything. And 1610 is the ultimate universe, which was their second prime universe. Mm -hmm. That's where Miles Morales started in the comics. But there is an Ultimates version of the Avengers called the Ultimates. There's an alternates version of the X-Men called the X-Men. Like, all of those exist in Miles Morales' universe in the comics. But Sony can't afford them. <laughs> <laughs> so you get more Spider-People.
0: So it's just Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh. Um, well, do you know anything so animated films aren't quite my jam. Yes. Um, but I still enjoyed this. Yes. And I know the animation was really good, but can you explain why the animation is really good?
1: Um, I will try. So, there's a couple of things that go on in this film specifically that make the animation good. Um, that I think are obvious but don't like are also very hard and so are not easy to replicate. Um, First and foremost, they animate everything with an incredibly high level of detail and focus in a way that doesn't feel muddy and confusing. Like, you look at any of the fight scenes in this where there are literally a hundred spider people chasing Miles Morales and it is all clear what is happening at any given point in time, as opposed to watching two robots punch each other in a Transformers movie where I can't tell what's happening at all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So there is a level of just pure craft and effort on display to make it work well and not work just enough um and that takes a lot of time and effort and this movie had like a thousand animators working on it and even with all of the time that they took like they came out afterwards and were like yeah we were worked too hard we shouldn't have worked this hard Mm. Um, we the working conditions were actually bad they needed more people to do this and pay us more um so that's part of it part of it is being more creative with what you can do with animation. Um, so there's, there's a phrase um, called animating on the twos where you only animate half of the frames. So it makes things look a little stockier or, or not stockier, but um, clunkier. And it's, origination is from making animation cheaper because hey if we only have to draw half as many frames for a, an animated film we're saving money
2: mm-hmm.
1: um here they use that structure and it started with into the spider verse to indicate like hey these are people from different universes miles morales was drawn on the twos his action was a little more stuttered Peter B. Parker from, quote unquote, the prime universe was animated on the ones, meaning all 24 frames of his motion. So in a way that is not immediately perceptible to the audience, but is felt by the audience, they felt like they were characters from a different universe, which is really cool. Um, And using a. What might have been a limitation of the art form in a creative way. And then across the Spider-Verse, they turn that up to 11. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because each different Spider-Person's world is animated in a unique and distinct way, unlike all of the other ones. Mm -hmm. So we have the On the twos animation of uh, Miles Morales' universe, the sort of uh, painterly watercolor effects of Spider-Gwen, Gwen Stacy, the... Punk rock collage of Spider Punk, the um, more comic booky. I don't have a better way of doing it, but it's like the the halftones and the the four color con- color mm-hmm. of Mumbatton. Like all of them were unique and distinct, and the characters carried that across when they traveled to different Spider universes. Mm-hmm. Um, so. It is animation in the purpose of enhancing the story you're telling mm-hmm. rather than animation in service of depicting the thing you're animating as accurately as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think you can look towards the early Pixar years, and even now, like with some of the more interesting stuff Pixar has done, they really pushed for improving the technology to be able to make things as photorealistic as possible. And it looks real and the yeah. water in finding Nemo looks real. And you know, the, the junk in Wally looks like real garbage lying around. Um, whereas this was like, no, you can use this power and this technology to make things that don't look real on purpose. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, and, and, These movies were not the first to do that by any means, but they were by far the most successful. And they were sort of proof that you can do this and also make a lot of money, which is what the suits care about.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Does
1: that answer your question?
0: That does. That helps put it in perspective. I was thinking about how I think I would better appreciate the animation if i watched it again yeah because i was paying absolutely. so much attention to the story mm-hmm. in this time watching it that i didn't catch all the differences mm-hmm. in the animation yeah
1: and it's i think of it kind of like like you don't walk away from a great broadway show going man the lighting in that was really good sometimes you <laughs> i do. mean sometimes you do sometimes the lighting design is real good um But if the lighting design is real good, it is always in service to the show. Yes. Um, And I think that's true of the animation in this. Yeah, I agree. I think I would enjoy it even more on a second watch for those reasons Mm -hmm. and sort of knowing it, going into it and and looking for that and not having to pay attention to the story as much because I know what's going on. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I agree.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It was real pretty.
0: It was real pretty. (laughs) And it also had, like, good music. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. to back it all up. Yeah. I don't think I have much more to say, but <laughs> it's a pretty movie. It's a pretty movie and some exciting uh, music.
1: Yeah, pretty half a movie. It's not- yeah,
0: I mean, I think for the second movie in a trilogy, which can be tricky. Uh huh. Um, it was pretty standalone, except for the ending, of course, which yeah. ends on a cliffhanger. Yeah. Um. So, which kind of then negates it being a standalone. But other than that.
1: Mm -hmm. No, I think think there is a clear, like, arc of the narrative. And, um, you know, being a cliffhanger does not mean the movie isn't complete.
0: Yeah, I think it's not spending the whole time setting up. For the third movie? Yes. Which I think is, I mean, in a lot of the Marvel stuff, it's not (laughs) dealing with trilogies. And and that second movie in a trilogy can be tricky. But so many Marvel movies and TV shows spend the entire time just setting up the The next next Marvel thing to happen.
1: It's all middle.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: All of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is middle. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not. Uh, You're never complete. allowed to
1: begin or end.
0: <laughs> well, it doesn't tell a complete story. Yeah. Um, itself
2: mm-hmm. in
0: in the one movie. Hmm. <laughs> but I think that this one across the Spider Verse tells a pretty complete story. Yeah. Um, that is broken into two parts.
1: Yeah. Well, even even the story that it tells, like if they were never going to make beyond the spider verse, that would be disappointing because I want to know what happens next. Mm-hmm. But also like the arc of this film, like could work in such a way that the rest is left up to the imagination, you know, mm-hmm. because it's about, what would I put it? It's about finding yourself, finding your community and then deciding whether or not you belong to that, you Mm -hmm. know, whether or not you want to be a part of that or not. And yeah, there's some plot stuff that happens at the end. Um, You know, Miles gets kidnapped. Gwen builds a team to go save him, but that's all story for the next movie. Mm -hmm. That's not what the story of this movie is. Um, It's very much about like, Big things like destiny and choice and freedom and little things like family and who matters to us and the small choices that we make to try and make the world a better place and why lying to your parents isn't a great idea. (laughs) Like, it's about those little things, too, and it does all of those things in a complete fashion,
0: Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. And also... I vaguely remember the first one. Uh It's been a few years, Uh I think, since we watched it. Um, And I appreciate that I could follow the second one, (laughs) (laughs) even though I don't really remember the first one. And part of that is because they do a little bit of sneaky exposition Uh um, that helps set you up for mm-hmm. what happened in the first movie that might be relevant to the the second second movie and I appreciated it. Yeah. That. And I tell
1: you what you need to know
0: mm-hmm. so
1: that the movie can work on its own.
0: <laughs> Which is another reason I think that it makes a good like standalone. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I agree completely. Um I'm with you. I didn't take a lot of notes. I made. I did make references of like, I know what Marvel Universe that is. I know what Marvel Universe that is. Because um, there is... There are so many deep cuts for nerds like me.
0: Yeah, I, I think I caught a couple of them, but yeah. of course you would catch...
1: Yeah, I didn't even write all more. of them down. But um, the... Like, the various references to things, like, uh, Miguel, Spider-Man 2099, um, makes a reference to Earth 1999-99, um, and how he is having trouble with the Spider-Man from that universe. That's Tom Holland. Mm. <laughs> the Marvel Cinematic Universe is designated Earth 1999-99. Not a thing anyone needs to know. Not a thing that the people making Marvel movies even actually agree on. That's more of a... a, It's not a fandom designation, but it's a designation for fans. Um, Kevin Feige insists that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is... um, Earth whatever 616 the core one and he got into a fight with uh the actress who plays kamala khan who insisted it was earth 1999 99 uh, while they were making ms marvel she's right i agree with her Um,
0: you mean kevin feige can be wrong repeatedly
1: and often um but there were so many of those. Uh, the the appearance of, in like, a couple of scenes, the, like, nineties angst Spider-Man, mm-hmm. Ben Riley, and they called him out Ben Riley by name, and he was actually played by Andy Sandberg, whose voice I recognized immediately, is very funny to me because Ben Riley, in some very stretched thin ways was the miles morales of his time in that it was sort of the introduction to the idea that other people could be spider-man they did it in a very 90s silly way which is they wanted to kill off peter parker because of course they do that's dramatic and interesting but then they also made a clone of pen of um peter parker and named him Ben Riley, so he's exactly the same. He's just a new guy named Ben. Um, And there was some ambiguity in there for a while of, like, which one really died? Did Ben die? Did Peter Parker die? They had their memories erased and their minds swapped, and very very 90s and angsty. Um, But to me, the sort of person who knows that, I get to go, "Ah, it's Ben Riley, And that was all I needed. (laughs) Um, And his animation style as Ben Riley was different from everybody else's. It looked like it was a 90s comic came to life, like it had been drawn by <clears throat> Todd McFarland or something. Uh, Todd McFarland's the guy who invented Deadpool, FYI. Yeah, uh, yeah those are the things I liked. Um, one other thing that I really appreciated, and I I caught this, and I found it to be... I don't want to say it was obvious... But it was clear, and it was not a secret. Um, This is, like, major spoilers for the film. FYI. They had established through, like, not exposition dumps, but through, like, the natural storytelling of the film, which is great, that the spider that bit Miles was not from his universe Mm -hmm. and was from the universe, you know, Earth-42. Um And then they introduced this device that sends people back to their home universes by analyzing their DNA and they showed it in action as they sent someone back to their home universe. Also great to see, um, Donald Glover. Yeah. I got that as a deep (laughs) cut too. As the prowler from the other, the no way home verse. Um, although he wasn't the prowler in that it was anyway it was great to have him <laughs>
0: wasn't he also slated to play miles morales at some he point he
1: was campaigning to play miles Morales. Oh,
0: okay uh,
1: he had a very long campaign to play miles morales and worked really hard to get it and then they didn't do it they went with tom holland and then by the time they actually ended up doing tom holland he was kind of too old to play miles Mm -hmm. um so in the first tom holland movie they have donald glover show up as the guy that eventually becomes the prowler Mm. who's miles morales's uncle and he makes reference to the fact that he's got a young nephew out in the bronx or whatever and that was sort of an in-joke in that movie and so that then to have him back in this one as the prowler now like it's it's layers it's all just dumb references but also it mostly works within the context of both films which is fun so they're sending villains back they show that and they show how it works like hey it scans your dna and then it sends you to the right universe and then when Miles uses his very clever plan of getting all the spider people away from it so he can Mm. run back and use it to teleport to himself home. One of the screens very prominently shows that they're sending him to earth 42.
2: Mm. It's
1: like DNA analyzed earth 42. It's not super obvious, but it is not hidden either. And so when he got sent home, like my thought was like, Oh, he's in the wrong place. Like I know that. Um, And so when Gwen went to 1610, it was the wrong Earth, and I knew that going in. Um, But I really appreciated, from a storytelling standpoint, that it worked both ways. If you had noticed, or if you hadn't.
0: Yeah, because I didn't notice the computer. I didn't think you had. (laughs) There was so much going on. There was a lot happening.
1: (laughs) Um, But I appreciated that they didn't hide it from the audience so that it could... It, it could only be a shock reveal later they showed it to the audience and let the audience notice it or not mm-hmm. um, which i think is a stronger storytelling choice because it's not about it's not strictly about like the shock of the reveal it's about like establishing the rules of the universe mm-hmm. the spider verse the rules of the spider verse and letting them play out um, because of course he would get sent to the wrong one, because his DNA got changed, because he got bit by the wrong oh, spider. Oh,
0: the 42 spider. The
1: 42 spider, which was also the instigation for the villain, such as he was. Well, I mean, one of the villains. Arguably, uh, Miguel O'Hara becomes a villain in this series. Mm-hmm. Um, but the spot uh, who brought in the spider and from the other dimension that eventually ended up biting Miles... And he was the guy that got hit by a bagel, which is a joke. It was a throwaway joke in the first Spider-Man movie and was retconned in this one. There's a scene when he's escaping from the lab and he throws a bagel at a guy and it hits him in the head.
0: From the Tobey Maguire film? No, Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, okay. Oh, Miles Morales. Yeah,
1: Miles Morales hits a guy with a bagel when he's trying to escape.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And it was a very funny, non- entity of a joke the bagel hits him and then you see the sound effect it goes bagel! and that's funny and that's all it was so retconning that guy to then become like a major villain mm-hmm. very fun very silly, not necessary but also not done just to do it, but to like integrate the stories and make them fun and interesting
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. anyway, it was a pretty good
1: Spider-Man movie
0: Was. It was I, I got engaged in the story. <laughs> and I can semi-appreciate the animation, but mm-hmm. I think I would appreciate it more a if a I saw it again. Um, and still enjoyed it, despite not knowing all the deep yeah,
1: cuts. Yeah, you don't need to know all the deep cuts. It works really well without knowing all of those, which is important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Those should be fun Easter eggs. They shouldn't be the main course. Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm supposed to cough when I do that. <clears throat> Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, all eggs, all the time.
0: Did you hear about the readings of Gwen Stacy as trans?
1: Yes, I did. I, read, I didn't read a lot about it. I saw headlines about a lot of it when the movie first came out. Um, what are your thoughts on it?
0: Well, I saw it going around on social media. Yeah, which is where I noticed it. Yeah. And then watching the film, I was like, are they reading something they want to read onto her because I can't I, I didn't see any like signals that she was trans, but then I was reading on Wikipedia. Ooh. <laughs> huh. S- yeah, stellar source right yeah. there. That a lot of it had to do with, like, her color schemes, and she had a trans flag in her room, mm-hmm. and a lot of um, her color theming is blue, pink, and white, mm-hmm. uh, which is the trans flag. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you could argue that, like, her coming out to her dad as being Spider-Girl? What it? Is, what is her Spider name? Spider-Gwen. Spider-Gwen. Okay. As being Spider-Gwen. I <laughs> think in
1: the movie they call her, like, Spider-Woman or Spider-Girl, but... The fandom, she's called Spider Gwen because that's a cooler name.
0: Okay, so coming out to her dad as Spider Gwen was a pretty rough journey mm-hmm. for her, um, and I you could see that as an analogy to coming out as trans, I guess. Yeah, that's that's as far as I, I got. I I
1: went into it kind of looking for it. I think kind of like you yeah. had because I'd seen stuff on on Instagram or not Instagram, but on the socials. And my take is there is a queer reading and a trans reading of Gwen Stacy that can be applied to this film. Mm-hmm. Gwen Stacy in this film is not trans. <laughs> Those can both be true and are fine. <laughs> I think the insistence that I saw in some areas, like, no, she has to be trans, because otherwise it's bad or queer baiting, I don't think is true, and I don't really agree with. Um, I think if, you know, a trans person finds the story resonating with them, that's cool. I think doing queer readings of non-queer texts is important and shows us interesting things about how those stories create meaning. Um, I do think it is entirely possible uh, that the lead animators of this film could accidentally make her entire universe transcoded with pink, blues, and whites Mm -hmm. on accident. Because that's the color scheme of her. She's the central person in that universe for the, our narrative. So coding it to her color scheme absolutely makes sense. And should someone have gone, you yeah, know, this is kind of trans at some point? Maybe someone did in the creation of it. But I also think that it's entirely possible that nobody did.
0: <laughs> okay, that's how I read it. That you could ap- You could apply that reading to it, but it's not... The film is not intentionally yeah doing it
1: yeah, um, because here's a thing. I think if Gwen Stacy in the film is trans, like in the text of the film, rather than in a reading of the film, her relationship to her father. plays worse as a story because the reading is that she is a trans woman not that she is a for example a closeted trans man Mm -hmm. so she has already transitioned in her life Mm -hmm. and her father has no compunctions about that given that let's say okay let's say she is trans and has been forever and has come out to her family and they have accepted her Great. All of that is true. If that's all true, the relationship between her and her father does not play as truthful when she's hiding the fact that she's Spider-Gwen and eventually coming out to her father as such. That doesn't... That makes it a worse story mm-hmm. for her to have been trans that whole time because she's already done that she's already had a coming out moment to her father so doing it again doesn't play well
2: Mm -hmm.
1: in the story because it doesn't feel like she's doing it again in the story it feels like she's coming to out to him for the very first time Mm -hmm. about this particular thing but it's also the first time she's ever confronted her father about a secret Mm -hmm. so if it's the second time she's doing that it doesn't work as well i get that that's my take on it that's Mm -hmm. why i am firmly in the camp of Gwen Stacy is not trans in the Spider-Verse films, and that's okay. (laughs) Um, I'm down for a trans spider person. That's fine.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: There's probably one in those hundreds of spider people we saw. (laughs) There's probably a few of them. Yeah. But... I think there's also such a dearth of queer representation in comic book movies in general that there is a desire to make a character canonically queer.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I think it's a disappointment that the closest they can come is to Gwen Stacy. <laughs> That's a larger problem with the, the filmmaking industry um, rather than a problem with the characterization of Gwen herself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's also no indication of her sexuality, which is different from gender. I'm yeah, not, of not, course, not mixing yeah. those up. But there's no, indi- I, I don't get a sense that she and Miles are romantic towards each other. They could be.
1: I think there's there's hints that they might want to be. Yeah. Um, but they don't know how to express it because they're awkward teenagers and also superheroes and also Mm -hmm. have to save the multiverse. Um, But also, if you get to the end of Beyond the Spider-Verse and they kiss, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. That's fine. I'm fine with that. Mm -hmm, (laughs) Whether or not it's confirmed later that Gwen is trans. (laughs) I think if they do that in Beyond the Spider-Verse, it will actually make Across the Spider-Verse a worse film.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. For the I don't reasons think they will. Outlined above.
1: Yeah. For the reasons outlined above. Why it doesn't work in this film that she is trans. Um. Any other thoughts?
0: I think Oh, I like that J.K. Simmons is always the editor of that. (laughs) J.
1: Jonah Jameson.
0: uh, Newspaper. Always J. Jonah Jameson. Like in every universe. Every universe. Every Spider-verse.
1: It's always J.K. Simmons. Uh, Which, uh, good for J.K. Simmons, but also, of course it is.
0: Yeah. That's the only choice. Yeah. I I
1: think that's my last. Okay.
0: I think that's my last comment.
1: Yeah uh i'm looking over the wikipedia page oh there was a reference um the first live action universe that they go to was the venom universe from the venom movies Mm. with tom hardy
0: okay i didn't get that the
1: shopkeeper
0: oh okay okay
1: apparently like venom tom hardy character lives like above her store and so she's like a recurring character in those movies
0: okay Didn't negatively affect. No, didn't. I I didn't know it was going one one way
1: or the other. I didn't know. I I learned that on the Wikipedia page. Uh, Yeah, there was nothing else like I would specifically point to. I'm looking forward to the new one. Um.
0: Hope they can. Make a better working environment for their animators. Take more time
1: to make it. It's fine. You're going to make a billion (laughs) dollars.
0: I I think by this time Sony should trust you. But I know that's not always how uh, studios work.
1: I think it's fascinating that this is the longest animated film from an American studio.
0: Because it was like two and a half hours. Yeah.
1: It was long. It didn't feel long though, which is nice. Sometimes long movies feel long. Yes. Uh... But yeah, and apparently Lord and Miller, the directors, uh, told Sony it was going to be about as long as the first one, and then they lied. Because <laughs> it was not 90 minutes long. Was whenever. the
0: first one just 90 minutes? I think it was close to that. I okay. should go
1: look. It was, the first one was pretty slight from a time period standpoint. Not like slight as in there was nothing much to it. Uh... Into the Spider Verse.
0: I mean, because these are PG, right? Kids can watch them. Yeah. Two and a half hours is a long time. Okay, this was the
1: first one was two hours. It was one hundred and seventeen. Okay. So. But this, yeah, it's it's long. I I'm pretty sure they are rated PG though. I don't I would be surprised if they were PG thirteen. They are family friendly for the most part.
0: Yeah, but I wonder if it's um, some of the themes might be over kids' heads or if they would yeah. get it. Well, that's
1: fair, but that's not really what a rating's about. It's not like, is this complex? I know. No, <laughs> I'm asking
0: a different question okay. now. Of, like, is this um, geared towards fair. a young audience? I, I
1: don't know that it's geared towards a young audience. Yeah. I think it is family-friendly in the sense that it can be rated PG, and your kids can watch it, and there's not going to be any, like, harm
0: done to them. No sex or curse words. No sex
1: or curse words. All the violence is very cartoony. Yeah, both of them are rated PG. I just checked. For sequences of animated action violence, some language, and thematic elements.
0: Yeah. It's got themes. I, that's, like, on the TV... When they have the readings and they say one of them is fear. Yeah. Like, what is f- fear? And what are thematic elements? Thematic and how elements. does that apply to the reading?
1: This film has themes. Cool. This TV show has themes. Cool. It's a piece of art with meaning.
0: Uh, Yeah. All art has meaning. <laughs>
1: So all art should come with a warning that says thematic elements.
0: What does it mean?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, it's very silly. All right. I don't have anything else you want to say. You want to tell them about our Patreon?
0: Yeah, we have Patreon. We have a Patreon.
1: We have Patreon.
0: Yeah, we, have- <laughs> we have Patreon. Uh, it's patreon.com slash five degrees. Uh, you can... Support us on a per episode basis. You can put a monthly cap on the number of episodes you support in a month. So if we put out 10 and you're like, I just want to support three. That's cool. Um, There are two perks for the Patreons. Patronies.
1: Yeah, we call oh. them Patronies, but I think Patrons is the official <laughs> name.
0: <laughs> oh. One is you get the super super unedited version from the moment we turn the mic on to the moment we turn the mic off. And then you also get a mo- list of movies we didn't watch because Kevin gives me a list of five and I choose one and it helps both of our anxiety levels. And yeah, you can get some ideas for some other movies to watch
2: mm-hmm.
0: and rate us and review us on your favorite podcatcher. We thank you for listening. Did I get it all?
2: Yeah. Say goodnight, Amy.
0: Goodnight, Amy.